Good morning. Welcome to a presentation from the Bible brought to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, McAllen, Texas. In your Bible in the Old Testament, it will be useful for you to open to Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah was a prophet assigned with a challenging job. The Lord called him to declare judgment against the wicked. You can read about that in chapter 1 of Jeremiah, where it is written that the Lord said to him, Whatever I command you, you shall speak. As Jeremiah carried out that assignment, he not only identified the evidence against the wicked, he spoke for God as to what the people should do. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. The Lord God made us, and He wants us to know Him. Not just mere acknowledgement that He is, but who He is. He wants us to know His steadfast love, His justice, His righteousness. It says here, He is delighted when people understand who He is and then respond to Him. There is someone worthy of greater attention than wisdom, human strength, or riches. Let us boast in this, that we understand and know the Lord, and we know who He is. With such depth, we see Him as glorious, and we respond to Him accordingly. When reading the Bible, spending time in good thought about God, who He is, and what our response to Him should be, there is this word that keeps coming up, glory. God is glorious. How do we define that? It is challenging to offer a simple abstract definition of the word glory as applied to God. Textbook definitions of the word glory as applied to God include words like illustrious, exalted, splendor, resplendent in majesty. In the Bible, there are statements ascribing glory to God, but there is really no simple single definition that can be captured in a sentence. In the Psalms, there are repeated statements that boast or express that God is glorious. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. Psalm 57, 5. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory is above the heavens. Psalm 113, verse 4. So, I'm going to leave off the customary approach where the preacher starts with an abstract, objective, dictionary definition. I think we will all know what the glory of God is about when we finish this study. But it will be an impression in our hearts, not a definition that can be captured 
in a single sentence from a dictionary. I have this objective. How is God's glory seen and known by us? And what should our response be? The glory of God is our subject this morning. The approach is through this question that has two parts. How is God's glory seen and known by us? And what should our response be? And I'm now addressing the first part of that question. How is God's glory seen and known by us? Number one, His glory is seen in nature. Psalms 19.1 The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. God has said that He has placed us in a world that speaks, that declares His glory. So we are not looking into a dictionary or a lexicon. We are looking around in the world we occupy. Just start naming things. Trees, flowers, mountains, sunsets, delicious food that is harvested, birds that sing, clouds that form beautiful images, waterfalls. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. These are things you don't discover in a dictionary. You use the senses God gave you, and you look around, and you gladly admit the obvious. Isaiah said, He has weighed the mountains in a scale. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket to him. He stretches out the heavens like a curtain, and spread them like a tent to dwell in. That's all from Isaiah chapter 40. Evolutionists have long offered ill-conceived answers about all that we see. And they do not account for the visible and discernible powerful evidence. Psalm 33.9 says that God spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. His natural revelation is a sign directing us to his written revelation. And nature speaks to us of his glory. It becomes an invitation to hear more from the Creator. And so, number two, his glory is seen in his word. What someone says reflects who they are. That is generally so with men and women on earth. It is perfectly so with God. His word is glorious. Hymn writers, poets, and artists try to capture the glory of God in their craft, but their efforts do not compete with His word that we can read every day. His glory is seen in His word. Psalm 119 129 through 131. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. God's glory, His power and might that we see in the natural world 
We read from his mind when we open the Bible and go through it. We are not dependent on just the right dictionary definition. There was a time when there was not public access to dictionaries. People looked around, discovered design and harmony in nature, and then paid attention to what the glorious designer was saying in his written word. God's glory is seen in the natural world, and that becomes our invitation to listen to his glorious word in Scripture. Number three, his glory is seen in his Son. The opening chapters of the Gospel of John put on exhibit the only begotten Son of God, accompanied by statements like this in John 1.14, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. In John 2 and verse 11, when Jesus performed that miracle at the wedding feast, it says, He manifested His glory. Everything about Jesus written in the New Testament, manifest the glory of God. His birth, baptism, life, teaching, death, resurrection, ascension. The cross shows God to be glorious in His love without contradicting His justice. Those who crucified the Son of God, it says in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 8, crucified the Lord of glory. So, there is no perfectly worded abstract dictionary entry that satisfies our need to know what the glory of God is. We see His glory in creation. We see His glory in His Word. We see His glory in His Son. And His glory is seen in His grace. Would you listen, please? I'm in Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. When you consider the reality of sin, the reality of sin in the world, and then you look inward and you confess your own sin, what a glorious thing that God would be willing to forgive. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If the natural world, the creation around us, shouts to us that there is a glorious designer, His Word, His written Word, tells us of grace and truth and salvation through His Son. And in all of that, we are able to see and know that indeed God is glorious. Written definitions may be deficient. God's glory is written for us in the heavens and the earth, then in His written revelation, 
And in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, behold the Son of God, we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. In creation, in his word, through his Son, by his grace, we know God is glorious. And the more we think about it, read about it, and take it in, it resonates in us, and it changes us. You remember, I started with a two-part question. How is God's glory seen? And we have reviewed some key answers to that. Second part of our question, what should our response be to the glory of God? If we observe God's glory in the design of the natural world, and then we look into his written word, and we see his grace and truth and love and salvation through his Son, God is glorious. Now, what should our response be? Consider these answers. Number one, give him praise. I think one of the massive errors human beings make is to take credit for what God has done. Don't you appreciate it when a medical doctor refuses to take credit for what God did through his hands? To glorify God ought to be our instinctive response to good, since he is the giver of every good and perfect gift. Exalt Him, praise Him, worship Him, devote your mind and body and time to Him, and remember, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto Thy name give glory. Psalm 115, verse 1. Or Isaiah 25 and verse 1. O Lord, You are my God, I will exalt You. I will praise Your name, for You have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful and sure. And in Isaiah again, in chapter 29 in verse 2, ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. So my response to the glory of God should be to give God praise. Number two, give Him thanks. One of man's first steps away from God was ingratitude. In that ugly list of sins in Romans chapter 1, it starts by saying, although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. Being thankful to God should smoothly flow from our consciousness of His glory. If in God we live and move and have our being, one result of that conviction ought to be giving Him thanks. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. 1 Chronicles 16.34 So, in our assemblies, at the breakfast table, in the hospital waiting room, when we read His Word at home, in the terrors of the night, say your thanks to God. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Colossians 3, 16. Knowing God is glorious, praise Him. 
give thanks to him and give him your life. Give him your life. I had something to say about Paul's indictment of sin in Romans. Well, he brings that all to a conclusion in Romans 3.23 when he said, All do sin and fall short of the glory of God. Sin is falling short. Sin displays our lack of appreciation and admiration for the glorious God who made us. Because of who Christ is and what he did, I can be forgiven and give my whole life to the purpose for which I was designed, to acknowledge God's glory in my heart, with my tongue, and with my whole life. Give him your life, all of it from the inside out. Live in the light of his glory, willingly submitting to his word. God created us for his glory. According to Isaiah 43 and verse 7, we embrace that when we obey the gospel and then walk in newness of life. In that surrender to the Lord, nothing will be lost that has value. Paul said in Philippians 3, 7 through 9, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. In the Ephesian letter, Paul wants us to know God chose us, redeemed us, forgave us, and sealed us for this purpose, to the end that we should be to the praise of His glory. That's in Ephesians 1, verses 6, 12. And 14. God's glory cannot fully be captured with a brief dictionary entry in a sentence or two. It is one of many words describing how great He is, the sum of His marvelous attributes, grace, truth, goodness, mercy, justice, all that He is. We see His glory in creation, in His Word, in His Son, and His grace, and seeing and knowing that about God. The good and honest heart will want to praise Him and thank Him and surrender to Him through Jesus Christ in the hope of being glorified with them in heaven. How many tangled-up messes in families would be resolved if there was just a pause to consider the surpassing worth of knowing Christ? How much anxiety would be relieved by regaining a fresh appreciation for the heavens that declare the glory of God and the firmament that shows His handiwork? What addictions might be cast off what marriages might get a new start? What interruptions and setbacks might the devil see? What churches might accomplish? What preachers might receive new energy by simply taking the time to review and enrich our understanding 
of the glory of God. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Thank you for listening.